this is good stuff. You know, you can have somebody stand at the front and they can preach their heart out for 45 minutes and you can go away unchanged. But one word from God can change every circumstance. Just picking up on what Steve said there about stopping. During the, the course of our, our worship, I was just uh, reminded of the, the Green Cross Code Man. Can you remember that? If you can remember the Green Cross Code Man, you are now showing your age. But it was this kind of superhero that would help individuals cross the road. That's why he was called the Green Cross Code Man. And part of his instruction was stop, look, and listen. And I believe that's a word for all of us in this room this afternoon, that we are to stop in the busyness of our activity and our week's activity, our programs and our plans. We're to stop. Because God's not afraid of those moments where we stop. He looks for those moments. He's attracted towards those moments. But then we're to look for him. We're to, to scan our, our eyes to see him. And if you look for him, guess what? You'll find him. So as we stop, physically stop, and then begin to look for him. When you find him, he wants to speak to you. So that's why we stop, we look and we listen. We, we need to listen, we need to recognize his, his voice. His voice won't come in a shout, his voice won't come in the clap of thunder. His voice won't come in the smoke and the lights, but his voice will come in a small whisper. So that's why we have to stop, look and listen. He wants to speak to you. Peter, my, my friend, will you just stand to your, your feet? Peter, just stand to your feet. You've got a great heart. And just being able to, to stand alongside you and to sit around a table with you just to sense the, the heart which is so full, so big. Your, your heart has been expanded. Your heart has been extended. Your heart has, is receptive for, for people to come in because you allow people to come close to you. But in the allowing of people to come close to you, there's been moments and times where you've been hurt. Because as you've allowed people to come close to your heart, they've brought something of a knife to the heart and they've, they've caused pain, they've caused grievance. And your, your everyday walk has been affected by that. But you're, you're not to be ashamed of the scar you may carry within your heart, but actually wear the scar with pride. Because our Lord Jesus Christ himself was nailed to the cross and he bears the scars of the nails. He bears the, the scar of the sword. He, he bears the scars of those that would come alongside him and hurt. But it was for a purpose and for a plan because God's hands all over your life. But there's been moments and times where you've allowed people to steal your confidence. And your confidence has been, in a sense, has been drained from you, which has caused you to question the calling upon your life, which has caused you to question mark the very things that God has deposited inside of you. But I make a declaration over your heart and life today. It's simply this, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Because we do not see ourselves through the disfigurement that people will try to place upon us but we look and see ourselves through the truth of God's word 
For everything that the Word of God would declare about individuals, you can take hold of those words. For you have been called by God, and you have been chosen by God, and you're not to throw away your confidence. You're not allowed to any, allow any circumstance or situation to drain you of your confidence, because God doesn't want you to walk around with your head down, battered and bruised, but He wants you to walk with your head held high, because when you walk with your head held high, you'll see those that you need to touch and see those you need to come into contact with. There are scores of individuals who have been ministered to through you because you've allowed God to use you. You've been a conduit of his blessing and a conduit of his anointing. And as you have spoken, not necessarily in a public place, but you've spoken over a coffee, you've spoken over a latte, dare I say an espresso have you spoken the words of revelation and truth you've instilled confidence into them so don't throw away your confidence don't allow anyone to cause you to lose that confidence but walk tall for the call of God and the hand of God all over your life make sense? are we okay? young lady with a lovely blue fringe don't conform too many people will try to place you within a box and too many people will try to place restraint and constraint against you and will say you have to look this way you have to speak this way and you even have to dress this way but the word of the Lord would come to you today and said you've been released and you've been set free and you have been liberated, not to, not, not to be shaped by those around you, but you have been called to shape things. You are not to be shaped, but you are to shape. And as you stand confident in yourself, you are a beautiful lady. And maybe you don't hear that. Maybe you don't even see that. But you need to hear the voice of God to you this day. Don't, don't conform to the, to the small thinking and to the small hearts and the small minds of those that may want to speak direction into your life. Because actually it's not about their direction. What they're doing is they're manipulating. And maybe you found yourself in seasons and times where there have been so much stuff. But God has liberated you and set you free. You are a queen. You're a princess. You're a, a member of the royal family. There is destiny and calling over your life. But just be yourself. Don't be afraid to be yourself. Don't apologize for being yourself. You have permission from the creator of all things to be yourself. Make sense? My friend who loves his gliding. Thank you so much for sacrificing this Saturday afternoon to, to be here. I, it better, better be good. It better be good. I was fascinated with your, your, your few moments with me out, out there in the little courtyard where we were talking about the clouds and... And I love the, the, the way that you described the, the thermals, and I love the way you talked about the heights, and I, I love that. But I was also fascinated about 
your, your occupation, your job, that you are an engineer who talks about drilling. And I found God say to me to say to you that you are to drill deep and you're to dig deep and you're to go beyond the, the norm. I don't know what there would be when it comes to the norm, but you're, you're to dig deep because as you dig deep, in your relationship with God and your walk with God and you've already got a deep relationship with him you've got a you've got a quirky relationship with him and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way that there is a quirkiness about you which is refreshing it's really refreshing it really is but you are to dig deep and allow the drill life of the Holy Spirit to to hit a vein of something rich and something which is not of the norm because as you go deep God will take you high and will cause you to soar to a new height and to new levels to to a new perspective that will once again be quirky yet refreshing because if you sit at this level all you can see is this level if you're down on your knees all you can see is down here but the higher you allow God to take you as you go deeper with him your panoramic viewpoint will be so much vaster so much grander and you'll see things like an eagle that you go high yet your vision will become sharper and the clarity of what you see and the clarity of what you say will be exceptional so go deep to go high I know there's a contradiction there but you're quirky, I'm quirky and together we're quirkier so go deep to go high okay my friend, I was um, praying about you in the night you'll be glad to know we didn't share a bed but I, I was thinking about you and your, your, your role and your, your ministry and I've had God say this to me. Don't limit what God can do through you. Don't, don't cap what God can do because actually God can do immeasurably more than what we ask for and what we imagine. He really can. And I, and I saw you in a number of different settings. From, from the church setting to the, the political setting to the military setting. And, and that doesn't come as, in a sense... Can we talk about that briefly in some of our conversations yesterday? But what I saw, I saw a treasure chest. And the treasure chest was like the treasure chest of Treasure Island. You know, the, 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 um, the films, and a little bit of a film buff, aren't you? But the, the, those films. And, and the treasure chest was one of those ornate kind of wooden boxes that had been buried deep in the sands and almost lost in time but there was an X on a treasure map which indicated where the treasure was and I believe that God is going to give you a map that will indicate where the treasure has been buried and God will give you the not just the map but he will give you the the strategy to discover that he, he's going to give you the the hindsight he's going to give you the foresight to, to go treasure hunting and when you, you discover the, the treasure chest, and, and it will take some work to dig for, and you'll require help around you, be careful who you permit to come and help you, because there'll be some that are there for you, but there'll be some that there are against you. Because they're, they're, they're looking for 
a sense of wealth and prosperity for themselves. They're, they're saying, this is not about the kingdom, this is not about jewels, but this is actually about them. So, so their motive and their agenda would be wrong. So just be careful. But God will give you a discernment to discover those who are for and those that are against. But as you begin to discover where the treasure has been buried and you reveal the treasure, God will give you a key to open the treasure chest. Because on the treasure chest, there was a, a lock. And it wasn't a typical kind of lock which had the old-fashioned key with the, the, that. But it was a, a combination lock. Sorry, guys. It was a, a combination lock. And the combination required a series of numbers to, to unlock it. You know what I mean? But I, I sense it wasn't just a series of numbers. It was a series of events. Key events that will happen. Opportunities that you will engage in that each time one is set, it will then lead to another. And, and there's a series of four events that will happen. Major events that you'll be involved in. Don't know what they are? but God will reveal them to you. And when you've done this one, this one, this one, this one, it will begin to unlock the treasure chest and it will open it. It will reveal treasure. Wow. That was profound, wasn't it? <laughs> treasure in a treasure chest. But it will reveal treasure. And then I saw your hand going into the treasure chest and I saw you taking out the jewels, the, the valuables, and, and not hoarding them, but you were distributing them. Because what God's going to do in you and through you is not just for you, but it's for the wealth and the well-being of those you come into contact with. I see you as an architect of transformation. An architect of transformation. Transformation. I really see that. And I, and I just saw, saw that. I, want that. I just want to pray for you right now. Father... I just, um, for a long, 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 long time now, I've seen you uh, in the spirit walking with a set of keys in your hand. And um, it's like you don't even know that they're there. That, uh, you know, that God, I just, I just love what Ian's just prophesied over you because it, it makes it all clear. That, you know, in yourself, you ask the question, is it me? Am I ready for this? Could I possibly do this? And I just felt that the spirit saying, you have the keys in your hand. And when you are faced with these situations, when you're faced with these opportunities, uh, you'll be ready because you're already carrying the keys and uh, just waiting for God to bring to that place where you can unlock and set free and loose. Father, we lay hands on an apostle. We lay hands on a prophet. We lay hands on a man called by God. Father, in this place today, we pray, Lord, that you would just cause his eyes to be opened, his ears to be opened, his heart to be expanded and opened also to see the very plans and purposes you have for him. Lord, we thank you that this is no coincidence this afternoon, but this is your time. Bless his family. Bless his wife. Bless his children. Bless his son-in-law. Bless the churches he represents. Fill them. Fill them. Fill them. Bring around him men and women who would help support him. Cover his areas of weaknesses in your wonderful name. We pray for that nation. We pray, Lord, for stability. 
in a season and a time of instability. We pray for stability in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. The, the word you brought about God being God is was powerful. And I want to just encourage you to do more of the same. Because I think sometimes there's some hesitation. You, you hear, you know what it is to hear the voice of God. And you, you know what it is to, in a sense, dialogue with God internally. But God is going to give you a strength to speak out. And you'll see things and opportunities like that more often coming your way. Because as you're faithful in the small, God will increase the small to become greater. Okay? So, I, like I was talking about Peter, about confidence, I, I want to pray confidence over you today. Because there is a, there's a, a graciousness in your words. And there's a receptiveness of heart. There's a heart which is supple. And there's a heart which just longs to have relationship with God, the living God. And as you share from your experiences, you will be a blessing to, to many but don't try to complicate it. Keep it simple. Can I, can I use the terminology or the acronym of the word KISS? Keep it simple, stupid. All right? Just keep it simple. Just enjoy that sense of a childlike walk that you have with God. There's nothing, there's no complexity to you. There's, there's no kind of stuff which makes it so complicated it's just a simple walk when God says it to you, you do it and that's admirable so just keep doing it, just keep walking keep walking, keep doing and you'll be amazed how God will use you use you both actually with his quirkiness and your simplicity, it's a great combination but actually it does cause tension sometimes because simplicity and quirkiness can often be the opposite ends of the extreme. How do I know that? Because I'm married. Are we doing okay? You okay, sweetheart? Oh. You got your hands full. So you stay there. Would you like to stand? Sue, can you just come and stand alongside her? You are a great support. You, you support behind the scenes. You support on the side and you support from the front. You, there, there's something all round about you. And, and there's a, a... That's a beautiful kind of picture that, I, that, I'm, that I'm seeing. But there have been times and there are times when as you're holding the hands of those around you, you find your hands getting weary and tired. Don't worry about that. And don't hit yourself over the head about that because it's a season you find yourself in. You are a mum. And you're a homemaker. And I publicly say in this place this afternoon, you're a good mum. And I don't know anything about you. Did I hear a voice from heaven then? <laughs> the voice from heaven came and said, this is my beloved wife in whom I'm well pleased. You're a good mum. And God sees you in the busyness of the season you're in as you are going around preparing meals and preparing the house and getting it straight and looking after the lump in the corner there. 
as you're, you're doing that, God sees you in that and doesn't expect anything more from you. So don't condemn yourself. And don't, don't be critical of yourself saying, but this is who I am and this is what's expected of me. Because sometimes what happens is the people within the context of our church places expectation on us, which is completely unrealistic expectation. So don't live according to the expectation of the congregation or the church. But there's, there's another level of expectation that often we live under or try to live under, and that's the expectation we place upon ourselves. That I have to aspire to this, and I have to do this and do that. God says he, he doesn't expect anything from you apart from being in relationship with him. Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan. The, his cousin baptizes him, and heaven opens, a dove descends, which symbolizes God the Holy Spirit. And, and then this wonderful, echoing, bellowing voice comes from heaven. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Up to that point, Jesus had performed no miracles. He'd cast out no demons. He'd not performed any form of ministry, in a sense. All he'd done for 30 odd years was walk obediently in relationship with his father and was walking in obedience to what his mum and dad had to say. He was just a faithful kind of guy, made a few tables, a few chairs. He was the son of a carpenter. But he had the approval and the affirmation of his heavenly father before he did. You see, God made human beings, not human doings. And I want to speak affirmation over your life in this season you find yourself in. And the voice of heaven over your life is, this is my good and faithful daughter in whom I'm well pleased. It's not what you do. It's not who you connect with. It's not about the expectations of individuals, but it's about the affirmation of the Father over your life this afternoon. He's pleased with you. And the season you're in is a season. That's why it's called a season. Okay? And it's all about preparation. And what you're learning, head in the sink, or hands in the sink, not head in the sink, what, what you're learning in the making of the beds and the making of a home and the, being the mum will enhance what God's got for you for the next season. It's only the turning of a page, but there's a new chapter coming and a new season coming. You are a wonderful mum and a great wife and a great asset to this house. Okay, make sense? Super. Wow. You doing okay? Doing all right? All right. Anything could happen now, couldn't it? Are you okay there? You're still going. You want some water? Want me to mop your brow for you? I think sometimes we make uh, things very complicated. But all we have to do is just make things very simple. I love just spending time with my family. I love just sitting with them. 
I love watching their their childish ways because even though they're in a sense they're young adults now they're they're just bundles of fun and I just love to sit around the table with them and I believe our Heavenly Father just loves to sit around the table with us he really does he's not interested in the program he's interested in the presence and the person Pastor David you you talked about um, God preparing a table and that was a challenge to every one of us in our house on a Sunday afternoon even though many of the kids have left home now they always seem to migrate home for Sunday lunch I think it's their mum's cooking it's not my company, it's their mum's cooking and when the, the table is kind of creaking under the weight of, of the food that Jackie has prepared and I've kind of helped in a very small way by setting the table we have a little saying in our house stretch or starve we, we don't stand or sit on formalities and even when we've got guests in the house we say okay stretch or starve so they have a responsibility to stretch out and to take from that which is provided to sustain and to satisfy them I believe that God is saying to this house you need to stretch or you'll starve we can talk about the blessings of God and we can talk about the favor we can talk about the opportunity but if we don't stretch for it we'll never receive it stretching is an interesting concept and thought isn't it because it takes us out of our comfort zone and it causes us to bridge the gap it causes us to reach out so I, I want to encourage us this afternoon to to stretch or you starve okay going to just read to you a few verses from Joshua chapter 1 and I'm very happy for you to carry on there more than happy Joshua chapter 1 reads like this after the death of Moses the servant of the Lord the Lord said to Joshua the son of Nun Moses' aid Moses my servant is dead now then you and all the people go get ready to cross over the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you and to give to the Israelites I will give you every place where your foot or your feet will set as I promised Moses your territory will extend to the desert of Lebanon and to the great river the Euphrates all of the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses so I will be with you I will never leave you and I will never forsake you be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them be strong and be very courageous be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you do not turn from the right or turn from the left so you may be successful wherever you go keep this book of the law always to your lips meditate upon it day and night that you may be careful to do everything that is written within it then you will prosper and be successful have I not commanded you be strong and be courageous do not be afraid do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go so Joshua ordered the people and the officers he went through the camp and he told the people 
get your provisions ready. Three days from now, we will cross over the Jordan. Here, we're going to go and take possession of the land the Lord has given to us. But the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribes and others, they kind of remembered some of these things and questioned it. I'd like to make an observation in this place this afternoon that God is about to give you instruction to cross over. Cross over from something of the past into something of the of the new. The book of Joshua is often described as a transitional book. The book is not just a transitional book, but actually the leader Joshua is a transitional leader. He connects something of the old into the new. What we read there together this afternoon was was simply this, that the former leader, Moses, had passed away and Joshua was now picking up the mantle to step up. And Joshua was about to to lead the children of Israel into the very things and the fulfillments of the promises that God had for them. Interesting when you make comparison between Moses and Joshua because although they were both men, their, their style of leadership was distinctly different. Moses was a a guy who led them through the wilderness for 40 years. He was a political and diplomatic leader. He had the patience to, to listen to their complaints and he led the people through peacemaking as a shepherd. Yet when we step into a new era, a new season, a new time, Joshua takes the mantle and begins to lead the children of Israel for 30 years through a conquering stage. He was not political or a diplomat, but he was a military leader. He was the one who was directive. He was the one who gave orders. He wasn't afraid to confront laziness. And he told the people, come on, we're going to face our enemies. And he led through the commanding of the people. When Moses was asked to provide water, he he went and he struck the rock and the water flowed and watered the people yet when Joshua was asked to provide water he says I'm not going to do it for you you need to dig your own wells so it was a a completely different type of of leadership and and I just kind of sense as I was reading through that uh, this morning and just reflecting upon it again this afternoon that God is about to take you on a journey which will cross you over from certain mindsets to new mindsets He will cause you to cross over from ways and means and practices that were once okay, but no longer are they okay because God wants you to step into something new. Because if we do the same thing over and over again, we get the same results. So to to get something new, we have to do something new. We have to be something new. Yet to to cross over, we we have to, to cross over rivers and we have to take cities. It's not an easy journey, it's a challenging journey, but every journey that God takes us on, he doesn't set us up to fail, he always sets us up to succeed. To cross the river and to take the cities, these symbolize experience and journeys that we have to go through. Yet God is faithful to his plan, and God is faithful to his promise. And as your leadership, as 
the church transition from what it was to what God wants it to be, I want you to hold fast to the promises that God has spoken into this house. But Ian, we've only been in this building maybe for 12 months. I'm not talking about necessarily the, the fabric of the building. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about the house, the, the house called the church of living stones being formatted and coming together. So, so God wants to transition you from the old into the, into the new. When people cross over, sometimes it literally refers to a geographical location. It can be a physical or emotional situation. It can be a place that you find yourself in. But on the other side are the promises that God's got waiting for you. And it's worth pursuing, it's worth pushing through, it's worth going against the problems and the obstacles because God has so much more in store for you. Because like I said to Peter earlier on, the best is yet to come. And I hold my journal up because on the front of my journal, I trust I've got the right journal on my hand, it says the best is yet to come. There are four things I'd like to just deposit here. It's, it's not, not going to expound on them because what I'm trying to, to do here this afternoon is not impart information. I'm trying to impart something of God's spirit. And I can use words and I'll get it all wrong because you need to understand I'm dyslexic and I use the wrong words in the wrong places at the most inconvenient times and it does get me into trouble. But the very first thing I, I want to encourage you with is simply this. As you begin to, to journey from point A to point B, or from A to Z, whatever you want to describe it as, the first thing is simply this, be strong and be courageous. On a number of occasions, the Lord spoke to Joshua about this, be strong and be courageous. Be strong and be courageous. And then on the third occasion, he says, I want you to be strong and I want you to be very courageous. Always intrigues me. Why did the Lord say to Joshua, be strong and courageous? Because I've discovered this. That when you're in leadership, when you're in primary leadership, when you're leading a local church and you're leading a gathering of people together, there are seasons that come against you and situations that come against you that cause you to become discouraged. You can be discouraged by attendance. You can be discouraged by finance. You can be discouraged by words that are said against you. But the Lord said to Joshua, be strong and be encouraged or filled with courage. So, so as you begin to journey onto this new season that God has for you, be strong and be courageous. The word courage is an interesting word. It, it's, I'm not a Greek scholar. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I only just passed the English exam. But the word courage is the word heart. And we realize that actually the Bible talks a lot about heart, doesn't it? It says guard your heart because out of the heart flows the issues of life, the course of life. The Bible talks about how the heart can become hardened. The Bible talks about how the heart can be transferred from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And when we're, when we're hurt, what happens? Our heart gets damaged. Our heart 
And then what happens is we become very protective and we can put walls up against the heart and not allow anybody in. I kind of talked about that a little bit with Peter earlier on. So when you have courage or you encourage, to have courage you have heart. And to encourage it means that you are putting heart in. So, so we, we can stand here in front of our pastors, and I say our pastors because I'm under their authority over the course of these next few hours. We can stand in front of our pastors and we can encourage them. And by encouraging, what we're doing is we're giving them heart. You can do it, Dave. You can do it, Sue. Encourage them. Encourage them. Every one of us in this room needs encouragement. Don't go how big you are or how ugly you may be or how broad your shoulders may be. We all need encouragement. Every one of us. So if you encourage by giving heart, what's the opposite to encouragement? It's to discourage. And when you discourage, what you're doing is you're literally taking the heart out of the individual or the individuals. So the Lord said to Joshua, be strong and be courageous. I want to encourage you to be strong, to be courageous, and to encourage one another. Cheer each other on. We have a a marathon runner in our our church. I trained him not. And he he says this. He says, Ian, when you're you're running the marathon, you you get to a certain stage where you just feel you can't go any further. It's called hitting the wall. And when you hit that wall, he says, you're, you're looking around for anything that will encourage you. You're looking for the face. You're looking for the smile. And when we, we discovered that he was running the, the local marathon, we, we said to him, at what stage do you hit the wall? He said, I hit the wall at around the, the, anything between 19 and 21 miles. That's when I hit the wall. So it, I said, that's interesting. We didn't tell him what we were going to do. But the, the marathon was on a Sunday morning, so he was asked if he could you know, have the, the morning off. He was running for Jesus, he told me. So he said, of course you can take the, the, the morning off, and you can run. Thanks for asking. You didn't have to ask, but thank you for asking. So he, he did that. Then I make a phone call, and I asked if we could help with the, the setting up of the marathon, if we could help them. And could, could we, as a local church, could we help provide some water for those who were running? And they said, yeah, you can provide some water. You can host some watering stations where would you like to host the watering stations? I said, anywhere between the 19th mile and the 21st mile. They said, well, actually, we've got two stations that are smack bang in the center of those miles. Would you like to take one of them? I said, I don't want to take one of them. I'll take both of them. So what we simply did was we got a number of our life groups to, to go and to sit and to provide water at the pivotal point where he needed to be encouraged and literally as he was running there, you could, see, you could see him. You could see his knees were weakening. His, his posture was, was laboring. And you could see that there was no way that he was going to complete this race if he didn't get encouraged. When he began to get to the 19th, we had some of our young folk cheering him on with banners. Go, go, go. And then when he got to the 21st and the 20th, try the 20th and the 21st mile, when there were the watering stations, we had some of our, our stewards there with, with the... The the, the, um, the the gloss the what do you call it the um, high vis jackets giving out water cheering him on at the moment he needed to be encouraged he found energy he found strength and he completed that that race faster than he's ever completed it before in ministry in, in church life we all hit the wall 
We need to be strategic where we position people to encourage. Encourage the pastors when they've preached on a Sunday. Encourage those who are in leadership. Encourage one another. Spur each other on. So that's the first point. The second point is quickly we have to... Joshua went through the camp and he says, I want you to get yourselves ready and I want you to prepare yourselves because we're, we're going to begin to move in three days' time. I sense the Spirit of God is saying to, to us in this room today that we need to get ourselves ready. Oftentimes we miss the things of God because we're not ready. And so we, we miss them because we're, we're not prepared. We've not prepared ourselves. We've not presented ourselves. But there's a, there's a, a sense of urgency in my heart this afternoon that we, we need to prepare ourselves and get ourselves ready because... We need to be ready when God asks us to do it. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to talk about taking some steps of faith, and that requires readiness. It requires preparation. Are you ready? I I say to my children when they were living at home, especially the girls, I think this might be a girly thing. Please forgive me, ladies, in the room this afternoon. I trust I don't offend you. But when I say I'm going to leave at half past two, I don't mean quarter to three. And how many times have I had to stand at the base of the stairs and shout out, Bethany, it's time to, to leave. Jackie, it's time to leave. Hannah, it's time to leave. And, and they say, Dad, we're, we're getting ourselves ready. But I said, I gave you enough warning. We, we talked about this. We planned it. We schemed it. We were going to leave at half past two. It's now quarter to three. Why weren't you ready? Oh, Dad, it's a girl thing. I said, God's asking us to get ourselves ready. Because we have to have the shoes ready, we have to have the clothes ready, we have to be presentable, we have to be ready and waiting on the starting blocks of life, what God has for us. There's no point in turning up at the race when it's already started. You need to be ready. That's a word for the church, be ready. The next thing that was instructed, and this is not rocket science, it's not complicated this afternoon... Joshua was instructed to tell the people to set themselves apart. To set themselves apart, to consecrate themselves. So I, I think there's a sense of urgency there as well, that we, we need to set ourselves apart. That we're, we're not doing our thing, but we're doing his thing. We're, we're not doing things according to our schedule and our time, but we're, we're doing it according to his. So, so, so God, I'm going to consecrate myself for your service. Does that mean I'm going to stand on a platform week in, week out? Not necessarily, but it does mean that you're consecrated to be a witness within your workplace, within your community, within the the avenue you live or the cul-de-sac that you live. That you are being set apart to witness to those over the garden wall. I think sometimes our garden walls are too high. And the, the garden wall is so high that we don't know what our neighbors look like. We don't know what they sound like. We, we had some poor weather just recently in the English Riviera. We had poor weather. And what happened was that the winds and that kind of just blew around where we live. And we live on quite a high point in Torquay. I often say if our house gets flooded, the whole of Torquay's gone. We're high up. And our neighbors partition walls. We, we have those wooden fences. Both of them were, on both sides, were were blown down in certain points. And it was really interesting because 
when we then sat in our garden, we could look into their garden. And they were able to look into our garden. And I have to say and confess that their garden was far better than our garden. But as I looked into their garden, there were things that I really liked. I loved the way that it was laid out. I loved the decor. I loved the decking. I, I loved the, the facilities they had in their garden. And I learned from them. So, so when we reestablish the, the boundary divides and the walls, we, we, we all purposely said, what we're going to do is instead of putting the tall fences in, we're going to put some lower fences in. Because what we want to do is we want to learn from one another. And we want to help one another. I want you to set yourselves apart and consecrate yourself to build the bridge between yourself and your neighbor and to be a bridge that helps introduce people to the living God. The fourth thing, and I'm going to finish with this because God's already doing things in the room. Joshua went through the camp and he says, be strong, be courageous, get yourselves ready, set yourselves apart. And the fourth thing he says, at the moment of key moment, he says, advance forward. I believe there's a word over this house and the word is simply this, advance forward. Don't walk backwards. Don't walk sideways. Don't make excuses. Don't bring reasoning into the thing, but operate and flow from the revelation that God has deposited into the hearts of your leaders, into those who are in key positions. Begin to listen to the commands of God Almighty and advance forward. The Apostle Paul says, I press on. I, I begin to embrace the things that God has for me, the, the goals that are set before me. The best runners run with the target and the finish line in their sights and their thoughts, and they advance forward. There's a word over this house. Don't stand still. Don't even tread water. Treading water is a funny thing. You get exercise, but you go nowhere. Get a lot of energy spent and a lot of, uh, a lot of movement, but no momentum. There's a word over this house. It's time to move forward. It's time to advance forward. And take some ground. And take some land. Because God's on your case. And to finalize all of that, when Joshua had all of those wonderful commands, the, the Lord spoke to him and said this, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I'm not going to let you down. I'm not going to be a disappointment. So the same God who walked with those who led the church and fathered the church from day one is the same one who will be with you as you move forward. Does that help you this afternoon? Just one or two little deposits because we're on a journey together. Bless you. Amen. Amen.